Today we are joined on the first 50 pages by an author who, after two books and three novellas, has quickly become one of my all-time favorite romance authors. Allie Hazelwood is a TikTok sensation and the New York Times bestselling author of The Love Hypothesis, Love on the Brain, and her most recent release, Loathe to Love You. Originally from Italy, Allie lived in both Japan and Germany before eventually moving to the United States to pursue a PhD in neuroscience. She has also recently added professor to her growing list of accomplishments. Welcome to the first 50 pages, Allie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So you burst onto the scene with your with your debut novel, The Love Hypothesis, which quickly blew up on Book Talk. It was a Goodreads Choice Award nominee for Best Romance in 2021. Since reading that book, I learned that it was loosely based on a fan fiction story you wrote about Rey and Kylo Ren from Star Wars. Would you mind sharing what inspired you to r- start writing fan fiction? Um, I started writing fan fiction when I was, I think, in my last year of grad school. I think I just really needed some kind of outlet that wasn't, you know, writing academic papers or writing academic papers or thinking about academic papers. I think I just needed something else. And um yeah, so originally, I, I'm a longtime Star Trek fan. So originally, I was writing Star Trek fan fiction. And then I kind of um, got into Star Wars <laughs> and started with Star Wars. But like, fan fiction is just, uh, um, I've always been very fangirly, I guess. Like, I've, I always, I've always been the type to get really obsessed about, you know, media and about things and about, you know, musical acts and stuff like that. So... I feel like um, fan fiction was kind of where I was supposed to end up uh, all along. (laughs) I totally understand that. I am. I've talked multiple times on our podcast about how much of a fangirl of Harry Potter (laughs) I am, and just being able to like read all the extra stories on Ao3 and all the other fan fiction platforms. You're like, I finally get to know more about these characters, or maybe an alternative storyline, or different things like that. I think that's the cool part about fan fiction. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Would you mind um, talking about how you made the jump to published author from being a fan fiction writer? Um, so it was, a you know, a lot of chance and a lot of luck in the sense that my agent, her name is Taole, uh, she is a very, um, she's also a fangirl. Like, she's also very, very interested in, uh, um, you know, in fan fiction and uh, one day she kind of came across my fan fiction on AO3 and uh, she was like, you know, I think you could be a published romance author. I think what you write is something that could kind of fit in the traditional publishing landscape. Would you like to try to work on something like that? And uh, that's kind of how we ended up, uh, you know, uh, you know, re- revising uh, uh, one of my fan fictions, the one that was kind of like the most... Uh, um, I want to say revisable, like the one that made most sense to revise. And then we, yeah. And then, you know, we went on sub and uh, uh, the Loi Positives ended up being published. So how do you think the perception of fan fiction has changed in the last few years? Oh, you know, it's so hard to say for me because I am very, um, I am surrounded by people like me who really love and like, uh, who love fan fiction in a very um, unashamed, uh, unabashed way. And they're like, you know, I'm a fangirl or a fanboy, you know, but like I, I'm into these kind of fanish things and I love them. 
And I'm I'm sure that there are a lot of people who look down on fan fiction still, but I I I, I just I don't really <laughs> I try not to interact with uh, um with them. Um I um it, it's hard for me it's hard for me to tell what you know the the public at large thinks. Um I I've been very um I guess I've been very protective kind of of my, um, you know, mental health by avoiding uh, people who speak negatively about things that others enjoy, um, uh, especially if if they do it from a place of, uh, you know, it's not highbrow enough, it's not artistic enough, it's not good enough. So I really don't know what the average person thinks of fan fiction. Kelsey and I, by profession, are librarians. Mm-hmm. And we interact with all kinds of people all the time. One of the things that we love to talk with guests on this podcast about is the power of the story. And I'm not part of a fandom. I didn't really, until researching for this interview, really kind of understand some of the aspects of it. But it mm-hmm. seems like this is, you know, this power of the story is especially relevant um, to fan fiction and fandoms. Um, just this whole idea, um, getting into the characters um, to explore different aspects of books. Like, like I get, you don't want to let the characters go. And I think for readers of any kind, um, when you really get into a story, it is hard to let the characters go. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, that that's, I think that's, a big part of uh, you know i've always had a very big you know book and show hangovers and even yeah. since i was a child i would get super obsessed like i remember watching sailor moon when i was a child and being oh, super yeah. obsessed with the characters it just said when i was young i didn't know what fan fiction was and uh, there wasn't a whole lot you know i i didn't grow up speaking english so i didn't really know you know i, I didn't even really have access to uh, a whole lot of stuff on the internet because you know most of the internet is in English and there wasn't a whole lot in Italian uh, in terms of fan fiction, but yeah, I think you you it, it's exactly what you're saying. Like it's just we don't want to let go of the characters. We want to know more about that world, that story, that dynamic. Um, and uh, you know, fan fiction is a perfect way of never having to separate yourself from. Uh, from characters that you love. Yeah, and I think there's a certain, like, comfort there. Like, they're the characters you know and you love, and like you said, you don't want to let go of and, like, stay immersed in that and keep comfortable and they bring you joy and... Absolutely. You know, but I read that more people than ever are understanding the appeal of fan fiction. I think, really, for me, this was really a fun exercise, and I think understanding... This is going to make me a better librarian, like because we're able to, you know, engage with people that come and ask us about stories that I maybe wouldn't have connected with the fan fiction or, you know, fandom. You know, I yeah, I I think uh, um, I, I definitely don't think that everyone has to love fan fiction. And I, I definitely think that, you know, it's it's funny. I was I don't know. If, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Cl- Kate Claiborne. Yep. Um, she, she's a fantastic romance uh, writer. Actually, she has a book coming out this month, uh, Georgie All Along, which was one of my favorite reads of last year. Um, she's amazing. But I was on a panel with her and we ended up talking about fan fiction. And she was saying that for her, when she is done reading uh, 
a book, the story is over for her. Um, so she never kind of felt the need to seek fan fiction, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was that's so different from my experience, but it's also something that I totally understand. Like we're 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 all we're all different. So um I definitely get it. But I do think there is something about how fan fiction can be so joyful. Like sometimes we actively are giving happy endings to stories that have a sad ending or we are like, you know, sometimes there are side characters that just don't really get the justice that they need in canon and we kind of write it for them. Mm -hmm. And there is something that is incredibly, um, I don't know, it, it, it feels like such a an act of, you know, we are taking over the uh, the showrunners. We're taking over all these people who um, historically have more power than us when it comes to telling stories. And we're taking this storytelling power from them. And that's something that, I don't know, I, I really, really enjoy. And uh, it makes me feel powerful in a weird way. Yeah. Ali, how is your writing process different for fan fiction compared to writing for traditional publishing. Um, and I, you know, academic paper writing is, you know, its own, you know, I, I, I mean, I just assume your writing process is different. It has to be mostly because, you know, you're, you're, you're not just writing for yourself and your friends anymore. You're kind of writing for a bigger audience. The idea of traditional publishing, and I mean, editors, writers, we all do it because we love to tell stories and we love to read stories and we love to, you know, share our writings and thoughts with others. But there is like this, I want to say, capitalistic uh, element to traditional publishing where yeah. you kind of have to write a product that is going to somehow sell or at least be at least you have to convince, you know, like the sales department at your publisher that something is going to be a worthwhile investment for them. So um, it, it, it's a very different process. Like while fan fiction is literally, I had this idea, I sit down, I write it the way I want it, and then I, you know, slap it online. Um I would say that with traditional publishing, you know, it's it's kind of a conversation for me with, you know, and I, I'm sure it's different for every single author, but for me, it's a conversation with my agent and my editor where, you know, I have an idea, I tell them about my idea, they tell me what they think, uh, then I write them a brief, brief summary, um, they, they tell me, yes, okay, this sounds good, and then I write it, and then, you know, I send it to them, and then uh, they edit it. So that, that, I guess what I mean to say is... Uh, it's it's less of a an instinctive. Uh, it's less about like the compulsive act of wanting to share a story and and doing so immediately, and more about you know a lot of planning and a lot of uh, uh, making a lot of considerations about uh, who is eventually going to read this and how they're going to react to that and uh, is is this going to be profitable and stuff like that. Sounds a lot like work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it definitely is. Like it's yeah. it's uh, um it definitely is. And it's still it's fun work, um, but it, it is work. Um yeah. <laughs> On your website you mentioned that your favorite thing in the world is to explore traditional romance tropes and to then picture how they'll play out in academic settings. So this may mm -hmm. or may not seem like a simple question, but why become a romance writer or why romance? Um, I 
think I always it was always my favorite genre to read. I I I always really loved love you know i loved love stories and uh, um yeah i i i don't know i mean i i think i think i could really try to think about it and look into why my favorite thing to read was always love stories but i it really it really kind of i think it just goes back to the fact that i i like you know stories with a happy ending and yeah. stories that are joyful and that you know, are about forming connections and people finding their families and not being alone anymore. I also like really like gruesome thrillers sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but what I always go back to is stories with happy ending and, uh, you know, romance novels celebrate love. So, yeah, I, th- I think... Um, I think that's why we know that you have this academic background and you, you know, most, most, if not all of your books are set in academia. So how much Mm -hmm. of your personal experiences and that background do you include in your writing? Definitely a lot, but not in a straightforward way. It's not like, you know, everything that has happened to my characters has happened to me, but I kind of like, you know, take things that have happened to me or to my friends and take things that I've heard about Take things that, you know, I was afraid would happen. Take things that um, they seem plausible to me. Um, I I tried to kind of make fun of academia a little bit because I think it's a it's an environment environment that takes itself very, very seriously in a sort of obnoxious way. <laughs> um, and, uh, I, you know, I tried to make fun of that. Um, um I would say that there is definitely a lot of my experience in my books, but not in a, I actually faked it at one of my professors way. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm almost halfway through the love hypothesis, right? So I'm, I'm really enjoying it and I'm not a romance reader, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, but I really am liking this book, but I think there's some really um, interesting moments where you, you know, you're not, necessarily like sounding the alarm that all of these things happen to women in, you know, like STEM academia, but it's like, yeah, these things still exist. You know, these things still happen. Um, You know, women are still treated like this very often, you know, and Mm -hmm. it just, you know, it just kind of makes you aware, you know, like it's still, you know, um, still something. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it definitely is. I mean, it's, it's definitely hard to be, you know, a woman in STEM because it's definitely a male dominated field. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that, you know, it's, it's something that has happened. It's something that I have felt, um, and something that my friends have felt, and uh, we just, I don't know, it's its nice to talk about it and make fun of it. And like, you know, it's its our lived experience and it's always nice to write, nice to write something that feels, you know, true. That feels like you're true. So, yeah. Ali, oh. yep, go for it. <laughs> Do you have an all-time favorite romance trope? You know... It really changes. I, I want to say probably like Faded Mates. I, I really like the idea of like people being destined to be together. It's not like a trope that marries well with, you know, 
contemporary rom-coms it's something that is more you find it more in fantasy and paranormal mm -hmm. but I yeah that's probably my all-time favorite I want to say um but you know I, I I like a lot of tropes I like you know, definitely enemies to lovers uh, um um opposites attract uh, um yeah so many <laughs> have you tackled a trope that was more difficult to write than you expected uh I feel like yeah, I I can't really say much about my my fourth book, the one that I just turned in, but that was like uh, that was a book that I really really wanted to. I I can't really talk about okay, the enough. book, but I can tell you that just because I I think it hasn't been accepted by um by my publisher, I don't think yet, so sure. I'm not a hundred percent sure that um it will even be published, but um, I did write that book and uh, I did turn it in and it was like a trope that I really, really wanted to write and a book that I really, really wanted to write. But then when I went to write it, I definitely struggled. I was like, okay, this is harder than I thought. So your latest work, that Loathe to Love You, um, was just released at the beginning of this year. And can you share what it's about with listeners? Of course. So it's it's actually um, an anthology of novellas. The novellas already came out last year in uh, different formats. So they first came out in audiobook and then they came out in uh, um, in ebook. So if uh, if they feel like familiar to you when you read the blurbs, that's why. Um, but now they're coming out in paperback with um, a bonus chapter that kind of like ties together all the novellas. But they are um, three novellas about um, three women who are PhD students or were PhD students in engineering. And, um, you know, they got their degrees and then they kind of moved in different cities, which is something that happens a lot, you know, when you're in academia and you kind of have to follow um, your wherever jobs uh, there are, which sometimes isn't that many. And uh, they all find love separately on their workplaces. Uh, um, and at the same time, they, you know, hang, you know, talk to each other a lot. And uh, it, it's kind of this combination of finding love and, you know, friendship following a move thing, which is definitely something I was living at the time. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, that's it. Uh, the, the main theme of all three novellas is enemies to lovers in the sense that all the novellas, uh, uh, in all the novellas, the 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 ladies uh, have this kind of, uh, sorry, my cat is attacking me. Um, <laughs> in all the novellas, uh, uh, the ladies have this um, kind of um, rivalry or enemy-like relationship with some of their colleagues. And then they kind of end up together with that colleague, which, you know, it's, a fun trope, I think. <laughs> yeah, and I so yeah, I actually just finished up the print version of Wolf to Love You last night. I had already listened to the uh, novellas on different road trips last summer when I was like, oh, there's the next one. There's the next one. I can listen to Stuck With You now and then got to Below Zero. And I was trying to think last night or, you know, as I was looking at my notes before our interview this morning of like, could I pick a favorite out of it I was like I don't know but I do have to say I really loved um Hannah and Ian's story but I loved Sadie and Eric's and I loved um Mara and, uh, I, and I can't think of his name Liam Liam maybe Woo. <laughs> really picking my Actually, brain this I, I think um I think Hannah and Ian is my favorite as yeah. well I just like the idea of like I don't know of 
people saving each other. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's my dramatic self. Kind of sticking with the, you know, vein of love stories, was there, whose love story did you start writing first? Have yeah, yeah, order? I wrote them in order as okay. they were published and as they appear in the anthology. I've probably given it away already, but devoted fans of your work, and I'm talking to myself here, and I'm sure plenty of our listeners, uh, you know, we might have already listened to the trio of novellas, you know, since you published them via digital audio and ebook first. I think that was such a cool and unique thing as an avid audiobook listener. I was like, hey, we got these first. <laughs> um, would you be able to share what inspired that decision? Um, I don't know, because uh, like all these decisions are really made my, by my publisher. Um, I think they were kind of experimenting a little bit with the format, because at the same time, uh, um, a friend of mine, who's also one of my favorite authors, her name is Denise Williams, and we share a publisher, and she kind of had the same experience, like she wrote a kind of trilogy of novellas, and hers also came out first in audio, then in uh, um, then in um, in ebook, and now they're coming out. I think in March they're, or February they're coming out is as an anthology, and uh, the theme for her stories are there are three stories that are kind of like set in um in an airport which i think is so cool and unique um and yeah um i, I i'm not sure why honestly i don't know uh why what berkeley was thinking but i'm sure that they had their reasons so in a lot of the f like reviews or feedback that I have looked at about your writing because I have not read everything like Kelsey has. She, you know, but she's uh, telling everyone to read your book. She loves them so much. But the one thing that I have really taken away so far, um, just um, your female characters are smart. They are career focused, ambitious um, and successful in the sort of careers that women aren't often put in, in novels. Um, and so to me, that's just really refreshing. Um, it feels, and I don't know why it should, but it feels new to me. Like, because um, the stories aren't just about women falling in love, right? Um, they're tackling issues like sexism, equity, inclusion, and just even that, Male opinions are often privileged over female voices, not, you know, just simply because they're male. Um, so anyway, I, I'm finding these characters just really ones to champion. Um, and then you have another book coming out in June of this year, Love Theoretically. Can you tell us anything about that book? Yes. So that's my third uh, full-length book. Uh, uh, and uh, it's another fake dating story. But it's actually a fake dating story um, in which uh, the female main character is uh, fake dating the brother of the male main character. So what happens uh, in Love Theoretically is that uh, the main character, Elsie, is someone who... You know, she's an adjunct professor, so she makes very little money. She has no health insurance, which is a problem because she has uh, um, type 1 diabetes and needs insulin. And uh, to, you know, earn a little bit more money, she fake dates uh, um, as a profession. So basically, if, you know, someone needs a date to their, um, you know, family 
reunion or something she you know she does that for a prize and uh, she has been fake dating the brother of the main male character so and and she every time she goes on a fake date she builds a new identity so the the main male character is uh, um kind of knows her as a librarian because that's the identity that she has built you know she knows her as he, he knows her as someone who's a completely different person and uh, um one day she you know she gets she makes it to the final stage of a very prestigious MIT interview and uh, um she finds uh, the brother of the guy she's been fake dating uh, there and uh, she realizes that kind of like her two different lives have collided and uh, yeah you know it's, it's it's kind of like the story of them getting to know each other and uh, um it like the backdrop is a faculty search which is you know this very stressful thing that happens whenever you know, people in academia trying to find a professor job. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, of course, now we're going to have to go put it in a pre-order <laughs> cart for the library, and I will probably have to go pre-order it myself <laughs> now that I so, yeah. see the release date. So, and as our listeners know, of course, we can't end the episode without asking a little bit about your reading habits. Would you mind sharing what you're currently reading? Or is it all romance books? Or, you know, you've touched on that you read some other genres like thrillers. I guess what, like, the book that I'm reading right now is Christina Lauren's next book. It's The True Love Experiment and uh, it's amazing it's like it's such an ode to romance novels um i feel like i feel like it's it would be the perfect introductory read for non-romance readers you know um it, it's just you know i always love christina lauren they are you know they write like these really sexy and heartfelt and uh, you know funny uh, rom-coms they're amazing um they also started with fan fiction so it's kind of you know what we're talking about i get to disconnect my brain and think about something else <laughs> but you... yeah anyway like yeah, i highly recommend this book i think it's coming out i want to say march but i don't remember um in terms of uh, like I, I also like i've been reading a lot of thrillers uh this year i I know I'm super late, but I I just finished The Secret History by Donna Tartt, and yeah. uh, I loved it so much. It kind of and then what did, what a, other thriller that I liked recently were The Silent Patient, um, and uh, uh, Daisy Darker. Mm, yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. I think that's yeah that's and also of course like everyone else in the world uh, i am listening to the audiobook of uh, um of uh, despair uh because you know i must <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us this morning I... yeah we just thank you for putting these great stories out into the world for people to enjoy and... thank you guys bye bye, bye, -bye.